Are you ready? Yeah. Are you with it? Yeah. Okay, let's go. You know what to do. The whole world's watching and counting on you. And all you people listening out there, everybody, everywhere. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Welcome to Checkered Past, a loving postmodern examination of the Go-Go Check branded comic magazines published by DC Comics between February 1966 and August 1967. I'm Dr. Bob, and each week I'll be your guide on this trippy tour through 535 mid-century masterpieces of graphic noveldom. This week, Star-Spangled War Stories number 127. Cover date, June-July 1966. Cover price, 12 cents. Cover artist, Ross Andrew and Mike Esposito. Edited by Robert Kaniger. Featuring The Monster Who Sank a Navy. Written by Robert Kaniger. Art by Ross Andrew and Mike Esposito. And Tales of the Unexpected, number 95. Cover date, June-July 1966. Cover price, 12 cents. Cover artist, Bernard Bailey. Edited by Jack Schiff. Featuring I Was a Prisoner of Death. Writer unknown, art by Bernard Bailey. Are you ready? Are you with it? Then away we go-go. Welcome to the world of love and laughter, baby. Welcome to the sunshine of a brand new Good morning. Good morning. You've slept in the afternoon. Good morning. Good morning to you. And you, and you, and you. You know Debbie Reynolds learned how to dance just for that movie? You've got to be kidding me. This bitch. Sorry, I shouldn't call her a bitch because she wasn't. You're just jealous. Uh, Learned how to dance so that she could dance with Gene Kelly. That. Talk about pressure. Insane. Also, do you know the famous scene of Singing in the Rain? Yeah. Gene Kelly had a 103-degree fever, and he insisted on filming anyway. Good God. The things I know about movies could fill a book. Yes. Well, you have spent a lot of years doing mindless research. Sitting on the couch watching t- TV, yes. Yes. Hey. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Um, I'm Hi. excited that we've got two... New features, which we have not seen yet. Well, we half saw one, sort of. Did we? Yeah. Okay. I'll remind you in a minute. Thank you. Um, Star Spangled War Stories, number 127, Mm -hmm. featuring a story which is part of the War That Time Forgot series. Okay. In which World War II soldiers battle dinosaurs. Oh, my God. What? Okay. (laughs) And uh, from Tales of the Unexpected, number 95, The Green Glob. Nice. Yeah. Um, you know, there's also an exhibit down in Natural Bridge, Virginia, where someone's created a fiberglass Civil War soldiers fighting dinosaurs. You know, we should take a trip down there and stay overnight. Well, last time I was down there, that the Maker, original... The the, well, I'll get to that, but the okay. original thing had been burned down by fundamentalists because oh, they didn't course. agree with dinosaurs. How close is it to Liberty University? Very close. I bet it was a fraternity, a Christian fraternity prank. <laughs> Are those such things? There must be. Yeah. 
Um, and yes, I was driving down the little road, and these are all uh, fiberglass statues created by Professor Mark Klein, okay. who uh, does giant muffler men statues and things, and he's also insane. And he also is an Elvis impersonator. Yeah, you know he's insane because? Wait, I don't know. Didn't you talk to him? Oh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Oh, I didn't You've know it was that easy him. to diagnose. So I was driving by, right? Because I was going to go see Foamhenge, another one of his creations, which is a giant Stonehenge recreation made of foam. Hence the name Foamhenge. So I drove by and I saw a pickup truck in front of this warehouse yard looking right. kind of place. Mm-hmm. And the pickup truck had a velociraptor in the bed. Yes. Not a real one, a fiberglass one. And I thought, that must be his workshop. And he must be home. So, of course, you. So I just wheeled my car in, got out of the car, went in. He talked to me for a long time. He took me into his office and showed me pictures of him dressed as Barney Five and Vern. You have the craziest adventures. And Elvis and Superboy and I don't know who all. Mm. Well, then... A pretty girl with the same idea as me wheeled in to talk to him. And, and I might as well have turned invisible. Yesterday's, what is that called? Yesterday's, yesterday's news. News, yes. Yep. Anyway, that was my little adventure. That was fun. So today we're going to start with Star Spangled War Stories. Right? Yes. The monster who sank a navy featuring the Suicide Squad. Not that a, Suicide Squad. A different Suicide Squad yeah. in a tale finally revealed oh in a tale finally revealed by the secret archives of section K17 but we're not going to get to that today no um so the original suicide squad first appeared in the brave and the bold number 25 in 1959 the team members appearing in the debut issue include physicist Jess Bright astronomer Dr. Hugh Evans Rick Flagg Jr the team leader and Karen Grace flight medic flight medic now, this Suicide Squad existed in the 1950s, mm-hmm. bearing no relation to the war-era Suicide Squad, also called the Suicide Squadron, created by Robert Kaniger for his The War That Time Forgot Tales in the pages of Star-Spangled War Stories. Okay. This Suicide Squadron is described as a top-secret ranger outfit whose members were trained to tackle missions from which ordinary volunteers were not expected to return alive. Yes. The War That Time Forgot was created by Robert Kaniger and artists Ross Andrew and Mike Esposito. In Star Spangled War Stories number 90, they continued to compose most of the stories during the comic's run. During its time, it was the main feature of the title. Okay. The protagonists of the early adventures were not usually recurring, but a few of them appeared more than once, including soldiers named Larry and Charlie, the Airborne Brothers Henry, Steve, and Tommy Frank, a.k.a. the Flying Boots, early prototypes of G.I. Robot, members of the aforementioned original Suicide Squad, Sailors P.T. and Prof., and the Flying Ace called the Brother with No Wings. My goodness. Now, we have mm-hmm. seen a bit of the war that time forgot. Do you remember? Uh, I want to say it was in the uh, the new comic that we read. Yes, very good. Uh, several episodes ago, we looked at the first two issues of The New Frontier, mm-hmm. uh, which opens on Dinosaur Island with yes. uh, the losers. Yes. Captain Storm and Johnny Cloud, the Navajo yeah, Ace. Several people dying. Everybody died. Even Everyone? the dog. Yep. Oh my god, that's right. Yeah. yeah. In the mouth of the dinosaur or something. Or yeah. Like, like dove grab, into, they dove the, into it with, with, with a grenade. Ammo. Yeah. Uh so today 
the monster who sank a navy. The Suicide Squad had another no-return mission to sink an enemy battleship, but as if that wasn't rugged enough. They also had to contend with the beast who used dinosaurs for beanbags in the startling battle tale the monster who sank a navy. Mm. Ross Andrew yeah? uh, was well known for his work on Wonder Woman Okay, at this time. Mm-hmm. Also very good at drawing people who've been driven <laughs> insane. Yes. Thank you for bringing that up right away. You're welcome. So we start off with uh, members. You have to be the splash page? I just read it. Oh, okay. All right. I mean, it is a great splash page. A giant dinosaur fish uh, eating, a, eating submarine. a submarine. With a mighty crang. Uh, the story starts with members of the Suicide Squadron reporting back in on the success or failure of their missions. Mission accomplished, panel one. Mission accomplished, panel two, with casualties. Mission accomplished, panel three, with uh, Talbot has gone insane and he's he making crazy. a googly-eyed face and laughing. Yes. I and that is an eerie drawing. Yeah, it looks like his face has been contorted into a twisted, non-human form. Yes. That's Uh, the face your mother would make when she wanted you to get another martini. (laughs) After she'd already had several. Uh Um, I've noticed that, especially in comics, often people who have gone insane laugh. That's the... That's the convention. signal of their insanity. Mm-hmm. Like the Joker. Mm-hmm. Maybe this is the... Or- <gasps> what if this is the origin of the Joker, that he was driven insane by a swimming dinosaur? <laughs> the Joker's already appeared, though, in Batman, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and that's not... We know the origin of the Joker. He was a crook called the Red Hood, and he fell into a vat of chemicals in a playing card company. <laughs> wow. So, we immediately go, you mentioned earlier you were confused by the chronology of this story. Because we start in the present. Right. Flashback to some part in the story. It's not yes. really clear. And then and it then becomes clear as time Further flashback. Flashback. Again. Yeah. Let's just jump ahead to the furthest flashback. Yeah, we have two flashbacks. Yes. So, you're going to go ahead a couple pages. Just page Which three. Page? Okay. So... The mission starts back at the base where we have two crumpled corpses that have washed up <laughs> onto the beach. Yeah, lots of death right away. Yeah. They drifted in with the tide. Kent and Pro- Frobish drifted in with the tide. They are seaweed-covered, uh, mutilated corpses. Yeah. One's lost his frogman flipper. Well, and... And his life. His, le- his life, Yes. To say part of his leg, but but the, the definitely the, the leg coverings, whatever the, the wetsuit. Part yeah, of his yeah, wetsuit, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so it turns out that the army has an official report that the enemy battleship, the Karuna, is carrying a new nerve gas which could turn the U.S. fleet's crews into zombies. Mm-hmm. The enemy might use it if the chips were down. We can't wait. Planes and subs have failed to sink her, but two men might just sneak through and do it. Where others have failed, we're sure that we're sure that two men might be able to do it. One of whom is easily driven insane. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you did you you know what a PBY is? Yeah, I did look up what a PBY is, um, and it is a um, hold on a second PBY again. It's a PBY aircraft. It was made in the 1930s and 40s. Uh, it was a flying boat, an amphibious aircraft. Um, in Canadian service, it was also known as the Canzo. Canzo. It was one of the world's most widely used seaplanes after World War II. It kind of looks like what you'd see on Fantasy Island. If you I was going to mention Fantasy Island. Mm-hmm. Um, we think alike, don't we? That was a great show. Oh, wasn't it? I was thinking of Fantasy Island the other morning when I was walking the dogs. Uh-huh. I don't know why. I was just thinking about how dark it is. What a great dark show it is. Was. Was. That's, the reboot was terrible. Oh, I kind of liked the reboot with Malcolm McDowell. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, of course, I know what your favorite episode is, when Dennis Cole played Tarzan. I didn't know that Dennis Cole was such a horrible person at the time. I but, know. Oh, my God. Um, my favorite episode, of course, is when Annette Funicello played a ventriloquist and her dummy came to life. Yes. And then was able to cause her pain. Bambi Bennett was the actress, I think. Yes. Am I right? Barbie Benton. Barbie Benton. That Barbie Benton played the the evil dummy come to life. Yes. Yes. And she would would take something and hit her own hand Uh and hurt Annette Funicello. Yes. Yes. And then uh, didn't Annette Funicello set herself on fire or something to burn up the dummy? I don't know. God. I don't don't think she set herself on fire. I clearly don't remember much because in my head it was Annette Funicello playing twins. Like, the dummy was a twin of her. But no, I think you are right. It was Barbie Benton. So I was walking the dogs the other morning, thinking about Fantasy Island, and wondering if people still get lays draped around their necks when they go uh, when they arrive on airplanes in Hawaii. And to I thought, Hawaii? that's a lot of flowers. I doubt they actually get lays draped around their necks when they get off the Well, I don't know. I mean, in my grandparents' day, you know, my grandmother went to Hawaii seven times, four, four times, times as, as an, an escort. escort. Um, they were still disembarking on the tarmac, and so the... Hula girls were waiting on the tarmac to get yeah. everyone lays. Wow. I don't think that happens anymore. Well, I doubt it. But they might be in the waiting in the hotel lobbies. Or the, you know, what do you call it where you disembark? The airport. The, <laughs> you mean the gate? The gate, yes. yes. Well, with security, they well, probably, yeah, probably just wait there right at the, the carousel rounds. The luggage maybe, gear, Yeah, return. maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get back to the comic, shall we? Okay. Real quick neighborhood report. Yes, Duke's, Duke's out in the yard. He's sunning himself. He's just having a great time. I, I, that I just adore that. Dog. Duke is a basset hound across the street. He's adorable. Whose owner is not friendly. He never smiles or waves or anything to me. No, no, he's not. Well, that's why he was voted out as HOA president. Uh, that's okay. That's not how I remember it, but uh, but okay. Well. Technically, he resigned, but nobody was going to vote for him. <laughs> no. Um, so we have uh, so the takeoff in the PBY. Yeah. I see. I'm I'm slowing. I'm saying it slowly because it looks like it could, could be a PSY, right, or yeah. a PAY. Yeah. Um. So these fellas get into a rubber dinghy, disembark for the PBY. Yeah, I guess they bail out very quickly because. Uh, I mean, the, the plane, well, I guess maybe the plane took off after they dropped them down. They're going to a, uh, uh, so the pilot takes him to a huge fog bank. Yeah. And they said, it's always hanging over that part of the sea. And we're pretty sure that the Karuna's in there 
uh, the Karuna is the name of the ship, right? Um, until and using it for cover until it's ready to come out with the nerve gas. So the the idea is it's going to drop these two guys off. They're going to go in their rubber dinghy and uh, go into the fog bank and get to the Karuna ship and destroy it. Well, it's a great plan until a giant pterodactyl arrives right to attack, out of the land that time forgot. Yeah, attacks the PBY. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's huge. The pterodactyl. The pterodactyl is three times the size of the PBY. Yeah. Um, the the fellas Talbot and Peters shoot at it with machine gun, but of course that's no good against a pterodactyl. My favorite machine gun um, sound effect. Um, they try a spear gun, and guess what? That worked. That worked. And they bring down the pterodactyl, who is still holding the plane in its mouth. In its mouth, and uh, dives under the ocean. Did you see that video today on Twitter with the alligator trying to eat a turtle? Nope. Oh, the alligator's got the turtle in its mouth. Uh-huh. And it's trying to crunch, and of course it can't crunch because it's got a hard shell. The turtle escapes, just walks off. Oh, okay. <laughs> did you think it was going to end differently than that? I did. Oh. Yeah. When you walk Junebug in the morning, yes. have you walked her up by Cedar Lane? E- recently? No. no. Oh, because somebody ran over a box turtle recently, and, oh. and it has dried into a, um, a shell. Uh, and she picked it up the other morning like it was jerky. And I oh. said, what have you got? Put that down. And she looked at me and she's like, what? Uh, uh. She's chewing on it like a jerky. I said, put that down. Now. She finally did. Good. <laughs> it's just gross. I didn't have to touch it. She, she just dropped it. Well, I mean, it, you know, wouldn't hurt her probably. No, no. It's a, yeah. It's gross though. Right, yeah, yeah. So yeah, Talbot yeah. had the hard luck to, okay, so, so. The guys dive in, yeah, uh, and Talbot goes first, and at, uh, he's able to dive by faster than um, what's the name of the narrator? Peters. Peters, right into the mouth of a giant fish, giant prehistoric coasalamp. It or looks whatever like called. something like some horrible kind of cod fish. Well, probably ancestral too. Common dinner table cod. Anyway, he's swallowed. Talbot yep. is swallowed into the fish's stomach. Like being swallowed, like Jonah being swallowed by the whale. Uh, Peters is not fast enough to catch up to the fish, so he continues on his mission to free the crew of the PBY from the jaws of the now-dead pterodactyl. Just so he can say, he knows that Talbot's got a couple hours worth of oxygen oh, in, yeah, yeah. in his tank, so he, you know, if he can manage to stay inside a lot, alive inside that giant fish, he'll be uh-huh. okay. Um, so he goes after the plane just then, (laughs) a yet bigger fish monster of some kind who can really fit about three of those pterodactyls inside of its mouth. Uh huh. Comes along and sucks up the pterodactyl and the plane and Peters. Yeah. Peters manages to, uh, release some kind of a depth charge to propel himself out of the mouth of a giant fish creature. Yes. I have to say maybe that, you know, I'm sure that that worked. It created a concussive wave, which, which propelled him away from it. However, I think that the concussive wave that would have propelled his body would also have damaged his ears. Yes. Because as we know, sound travels very well underwater. 
Yeah, and if it's if it's a force that's strong enough to actually pick you up and move you, there mm-hmm. will be some sort of damage to your ears. Okay. I know that from something about reading or watching something about when you see how people get thrown hundreds of feet in movies uh-huh. from explosions, uh-huh. you know, and it's all done with special effects, uh-huh. that if you actually get thrown, uh-huh. you know, 100, foot, 100 feet um, uh-huh. by an explosion, you're going to have damage to your ears. Yeah, I think I saw that on Gilgan's Island. <laughs> you... Um. <laughs> so uh, then he plays dead, so the fish swims off. Now, with the pterodactyl and the PBY in its stomach. Presumably gone forever. Presumably. Yes. Um, With the the crew inside the PBY. Yeah. PBY, yeah. Um, He pops back up to the surface. He still is intent on completing his Suicide Squad mission, that Mm -hmm. of destroying the nerve gas on the Karuna. Yes. Now, here comes the first fish. Back for more. Back for more. Uh, I love it. He says, looks like I'm just that fat, juicy frog that's going to be, to be another mouthful to that king-sized tapeworm. Mm. Um, but the monster got the biggest case of acute indigestion I ever saw is with a TN, uh, a TNT, with a TNT belch. belch. Talbot, from inside the belly of the fish, sets off some kind of explosive device and busts through the fish's stomach to the outside. So I'm assuming that he was inside the fish's belly, set the charge, and then swam away from it, because if he was right beside it, he too would have been killed. Now, I mean, I'm sorry, is this logic bothering you? No, I'm just wondering, do fish, like, would their stomach have water in it, or would it just... What's well, like they a normal be... stomach? It's not going to be. It's not going to be like a hollow cave like in Pinocchio. Well, no, it would have acid in the stomach. I'm mm-hmm. assuming, but um, but would it? Like, how would he swim away? Swim through the acid? Well, okay. So let's assume that the this fish's first stomach is quite large. It's capacious. Do they have more than one stomach? I, well, I I don't know. I I have no idea. I probably not. But, you know. But uh, let's just say that it, it's it because yeah, let's say it has a. A stomach and and then a, perhaps an intestine system of some kind, right? Mm-hmm. Because you, you know when you when you clean a fish, you pull out its guts, and it's, right, right, right. I've never really examined them closely, and well, I, I've never been cleaned a fish. A hundred so. years since I had zoology in high school, but we did dissect fish, or right. sharks at one time. So um, let's say he's been swallowed and is in the big stomach. Mm-hmm. Based on the size of this fish, he probably has room to like wiggle over to maybe throw a charge into the next part of the stomach or the the intestine of some kind okay. and then you know put his arm through and then pull back and get to, as close up to the top of the of the opening of the stomach which would be you know the back of the throat mm-hmm. because if he just held the charge in his hand right his arm would be blown off and he, right. and he wouldn't be he wouldn't survive well based upon the ability of the charge to blow a hole in the inside of the fish and kill it uh, he must have been quite far away from them the charge and yet it looks like he is actually being propelled out of the fish by the charge right which you know just only bothers me (laughs) (laughs) so it really bothers you that an explosive device in the body of extinct prehistoric creature that could not exist in world war ii uh 
I've lost the narrative already. Does it really bother me? Yeah. No, it's just no. Okay. It's just a silly minutia. Uh, this fish has great eyeballs, though. Doesn't it? Mm-hmm. They were blue before, but now they're black. Well, perhaps they change in the depth of the water. The water itself has been blue and green and red. Well, not red, but blue and green. Various shades of blue and green. <laughs> it's going to be red in a minute. Brother. Sure is. Uh, so Talbot's knocked out cold. Mm-hmm. Peters has to get him to the surface and still complete his mission. Mm-hmm. Now on the way to the surface, there's a submarine yes. and there's the super giant Gigantosaurus fish, fish creature. creature. Uh, which it's much larger than it can, it can crush the yeah. submarine in its mouth. Which it does. Yes. Um, so it is, of course, an enemy sub. Yeah. It's a Japanese sub. Yes. Unfortunately, not all of the sailors were on board the sub. Some of them were swimming outside, and now here they come to attack Peters and Talbot, and Talbot's unconscious. Mm. Now, this is what the physics that I have a problem with. Fighting underwater. Punching underwater. Yeah. You can't. That wouldn't work, really. You could duck, right? Well, if you could hold the person and therefore have something to hope to leverage force against like if you could if i'm holding your arm uh-huh i could punch you in your stomach uh-huh because i could use the force of my arm pulling you towards me and my fist going towards you the, the whole idea of fighting in water is that you got to have something again a force to move against to leverage the weight of your body to assist in the force of the punch right so, right, but even so, the water is going to cushion any blow and slow your fist down, right? Not really. Let's say let's say we're in a pool, right? Mm-hmm. And you and I are just standing in a pool, mm-hmm. okay? And then let's say we swim to the deep end, mm-hmm. and we're facing each other. Mm-hmm. If I punch you in the face, you're going to feel it probably the same way that you would feel it on land because I'm just right there in front of you punching you in the face. However, if I try to do a maneuver that requires me to pull you or push you and neither of us have any solid ground to stand on we no longer have the leverage of our leg muscles to assist in the, in the force mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so any sort of close combat like a, a jabbing of an elbow or something will will probably be effective because the waters even though it's inhibiting the movement it's not going to drastically reduce the amount of force it's well all i'm thinking of again is the force of being able to use your body standing against a solid object in water. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Okay. No. Um, I was on a Zoom. Uh, here we go. Okay, <laughs> There's a table on the bottom of the pool, and the table weighs 25 pounds. Yes. Okay? Yes. Now, you, you and I swim to the table. We are face down with our hands, uh-huh. and we... Let's say the table is 100 pounds, uh-huh. okay, and it's at the bottom of the pool. Uh-huh. You and I swim to the bottom of the pool. Our feet are up in the air, and we're both facing down toward the pool. We try to pick it up yeah, right, at, at 100 pounds. Uh-huh. We're going to feel the full weight of the table underwater. However, if you and I pivot around and put our feet on the bottom of the pool and lift up, our bodies now have the surface to leverage force against, and therefore we're going to be able to lift up the table. Is it a round table or a square table? It's a round table. It's just like it happens to be just like the one we're sitting on right now. Is it? Um, it's made of it's made of weights. 
<laughs> it's a table made of, of weights. I was on a Zoom call earlier with a NASA engineer. Yes. Which was not as confusing as the uh, talk we just had about swimming and punching. Okay. Anyway, I'm not going to go diving because it's too dangerous. I'm not a good fighter. I'm afraid of being punched. And I'm also afraid of drowning. So well, I'm afraid of heights. Uh-huh. And when we go, have been snorkeling. Yes. Uh, in the Keys. Well, mm-hmm. I'm on snorkeling with you. In yes. Uh huh. Not the Keys. Blue Springs. Blue Springs. Whenever we go snorkeling, and I'm floating in water, and I go over the edge of something, and I'm now going from let's say six feet of depth of water to thirty feet of depth of water, mm-hmm. I get terrified of heights. Isn't that weird? Mm, well, it makes sense. But I think the best thing is for us to just stay indoors and not do anything that might well, it's worked lead well for us to so being far. I do. Punched. I would like to go to Blue Springs again someday, wouldn't you? Oh, sure. Blue yeah. Springs in Florida, everyone. You can go and see manatees right up close. Do you remember the time that we went swimming down the springs and the otters followed us? Mm-hmm. Or was it just one otter? Uh, it was two otters. And they were fishing. That's not a euphemism, anyone. No. That oh, was no, 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 actual, no, no, no. Yeah, of course. actual otters. otters, river otters, but well, not you know, like wild in the water in the wild. And um, and it was so interesting because we had we had brought snorkels and masks mm-hmm. so we could watch them um, playing in the water and swimming and diving, and, and you could see them in their natural habitats. And we just followed them down down the river the whole time. It was really nice. Um, good thing they weren't prehistoric monsters, or we might have been driven insane. As we are here on page 11. So Peters and Talbot are captured. Way to bring it back, Bob. By the Japanese frogmen and brought onto the very ship, the Karuna, the ship that they're on a mission to destroy. Such fortune. Yes. Well, not really, because now Talbot's insane. He started his insane googly-eyed laughing. Yeah. And All he does uh, is laugh. Yeah. So Peters, it's up to him. And the nerve gas canisters are right there on the deck of the ship. Mm-hmm. Aren't those um, Japanese officers dressed smartly? In they're their in their dress whites for yeah. some reason. I guess it's that time of year. <laughs> Before Labor Day. <laughs> they must be, that would have been summer. Summer whites. They must be dressed up to uh, celebrate their turning the entire U.S. fleet into zombies. Yeah. Peters takes off across the deck. He sure does. He's going to In his dis- flippers. Yep. He's going to destroy the nerve gas canisters. Um, knowing that the Japanese soldiers are afraid to shoot at him because it might ricochet off in into the nerve gas. But that doesn't prevent the Japanese sailor from tackling him. Tackling him, lots of punching and kicking now. Fisticuffs ensue. Um, now, punching on land, I'm all for that. Oh, sure. Um, lots of, you know, jokes about, isn't this what you Yankees call dribbling the ball? Because, you know... Uh, as we've seen before, Nazi sailors and soldiers are always trying to ridicule our American way of life. Yeah, isn't Particularly it amazing? Particularly our sports. Do you think when they train for combat, they also find ways to to weave uh, insults, cultural insults, mm-hmm. uh, as, as part of, the, of, of their training? Yeah, I mean, I think that's like all of, that their boot camp is. Yeah. Just like witty <laughs> repartee. If it wasn't so, it wouldn't be in the comics. That's true. Yes. That's exactly true. I am thankful that we don't have overblown caricatures of, I mean, other than that their skin is colored uh, number five yellow. But he's not hurling back uh, cultural insults. Right. We don't have, then we don't have like buck teeth and right. thick glasses. Right, right. Um, that's progress. 
in the 60s. Well, he is, it, it appears on page 13 that uh, the Japanese sailor is karate chopping you. Doesn't indeed, it? yes. <laughs> um, do you remember that episode of Charlie's Angels when they were undercover as stewardesses? Um, and one of the actual stewardesses was an Asian American woman. And when the hijackers uh, locked themselves in the cockpit of the plane, she karate, she karate chopped. chopped um, and knocked down the cockpit door. Um, oh, so God, here Charlie's comes angels. I know it's the best. Mm-hmm. Here comes the giant monster back now mm-hmm. to attack. It's as big as, uh, this aircraft carrier. It's folks. yes, it is in length and, and yes, it is. Um, and in the, one of the things it does is it knocks over the aircraft carrier and starts, which starts to take on water. Right. And then it just starts eating the guns. Yeah. So uh, Peters gets himself set up behind a machine gun on the deck and starts uh, firing away at the monster. Mm -hmm. But lo and behold, Talbot, the cackling Talbot, hurls nerve gas canisters at at the monster. The monster. Yeah. The nerve gas was supposed to be able to paralyze a fleet, but all it did was make the monster mad. Hmm. So the monster proceeds to chop the ship in half. Yeah. And sink it. Now, it looks like, the way it's drawn, that it's made of wood, but it's not made of wood. No, it couldn't be. Just the lines, you know what I mean? Um, Talbot and Peters escape Mm -hmm. uh, and watch as the, uh, the boilers of the ship explode... In a very, uh, in, in a pose reminiscent of Jurassic Park there. Yeah. Earlier, right? Um, if Jurassic Park had been uh, merged with Titanic. <laughs> if only. Oh, would that Could be you imagine awesome, Jurassic Park having a, a Jurassic Park exhibit being taken on the Titanic <gasps> when it goes down? Yes. Yes. Like all those people, Kate Winslet, all of them are, are as they're also fighting for their lives, are being uh, taken off one by one. By <laughs> what are those things called? Velociraptors by Velociraptors? Uh-huh. Yes. And if the Velociraptors had picked up the string instruments and just sat down and were playing as, as the ship was going down. <laughs> Draw me like one of your French girls. <laughs> um, now we see the destruction of the ship and the monster. I guess we're not going to rescue the plane crew now because everyone's dead. Oh, they're actually inside the beast. Inside the beast. And now we flash back to the present. Uh, Peter's reporting for Talbot because Talbot is now insane and uh, laughing. Mission accomplished. Good. Well, what do you think of the war that time forgot? Well, I think that was pretty interesting, Bob. I um Sometimes it feels like that uh, when I get through my email for the day. Just part of my brain's cackling away like that. The other part's going, mission accomplished. <laughs> so, yeah. The green glob. The green glob. I got to go to Tales of the Unexpected. Tales of the Unexpected, number 95. The green glob was an invisible cloud of energy that singled out individuals for strange experiences. Oh! Sometimes the people were granted temporary powers, other times thrust into other times or dimensions. The glob appeared in Tales of the Unexpected, number 83 through 98. 
100, 102, and 103. 15 episodes and 18 episodes. 18 issues. I'm not done. Oh. Phil Folio's 1991 miniseries Angel and the Ape provided the glob's origin. Created by the guardians of the universe and capable of warping the very nature of reality in order to teach a lesson. The glob fell into the hands of Gorilla Grodd, but with the aid of Sam Simeon, the entity was freed, proclaiming repeatedly that I have transcended my programming. So it's basically a cosmic traveling teacher. Yeah, it's like a portable Twilight Zone. Yes. Cloud. His job is to instruct. Yes. Teach lessons. Teach lessons. Mm. Uh, in this Green Glob adventure... You and I are teachers. Yes. yes so we, And we, we produce green clouds <laughs> from time to time. Oh, my God. Um, I had gained immortality. Not me. I'm reading now. I had gained immortality. No power on Earth could destroy me. I was invincible until he arrived. He mysteriously appeared everywhere I went, lurking ominously in the shadows, as if waiting. And when I did learn the sinister reason why he followed me, it was too late. For then, I, I was, was a, a prisoner, prisoner of, of death. death. Um, on the splash page here, we have a gentleman in a sports coat mm -hmm. being lassoed by... Another gentleman. Another in a gentleman. Blue adventure suit with a green cape and a black fedora and a sort of a skull like mask on. Yeah, is that uh an adventuring is that a suit? I don't know. Is that that's a very unusual look for death. Yeah, it's like a blue um I wanna say it's almost like a gaucho, like the Argentinian cowboys. Yeah. Where those sorts of Puffy sleeved uh, with a cinch waist mm -hmm. and sensible slacks. And a capelet. Well, not a capelet, no, but but a, but a, not a long cape. A, not a long cape, and it's mm -hmm. got a flared like a mid collar. Uh, a T-length, yeah. T-length cape. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, black fedora. Maybe that's his summer look. Um, what, year, well, what, what month is this supposed to be? Uh, well, it was... Uh, cover dated June, July, so probably published yeah, definitely. In. He's dressed for the summer. <laughs> he need, Death needs a much heavier look for the winter. Well, I wouldn't think since he's dead, he cares much at all about the temperature. I'm just trying to give some credit to the shit costume they've drawn on Death. <laughs> Art by Bernard Bailey, who was known for... Uh, shit costumes for Death. Um, no, he was primarily known for drawing... Uh, Golden Age stories, particularly Our Man, oh. who had a very similar kind of... Uh, shit costume? Not shit. I like the costume very much, but it's it has a weird kind of hood thing. Like, it's a hood, but also a mask, which didn't ever seem very practical, because it seems like you could just pull it off. It's a little like it, a wind would blow it off his face and stuff. But, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, gaucho. Yeah. Let's move on. Okay. So this fellow, I don't think we ever learn his name. No, I we don't. 
Strange, and he said, it gnawed at my mind, it gnawed at my mind night and day, an obsession that drove me to the four corners of the earth, searching, searching for immortality. Yes, so we see him with an uncontacted tribe. Now, does this guy have a, he must have a lot of money, because he can travel, Yeah, he's traveling to uh, South America, I guess, or Africa, I'm not sure what that is. Um, Persia, Um, someplace. Yes. The London Library. The London Library, and then to Egypt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Finally, his quest for immortality brings him to a recently excavated tomb in Egypt where he uh, has free access to this tomb. He just walked right in and, and ter- picked up some sort of object which then opened up a secret compartment somewhere yeah. else. Which the secret compartment contains a vial with liquid and an inscription in hieroglyphics. Now, he's a little bit rusty on his hieroglyphics, but he Aren't does... are we all? Yeah, <laughs> He does decide to take it home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so here's what's written on the bottle in hieroglyphics. Herein is the potion to life eternal, but he who partakes beware. For where there is life, there is death. And with this secret goes a curse. Yeah. Curse. <laughs> curse he says. I'm paraphrasing. Um how can there be a curse to immortality? Ha ha! After all these years, I've discovered the greatest secret as of the ages. Editor's note: As Victor Web, Victor, Victor Webster, he does have a oh, name. Oh, look at that! As Victor Webster's anxious, trembling hand clutches the vial, a gaseous mass, invisible to human eyes, entered the room. You know, thinking back, actually, the name Webster will come up a couple more times in this in this story. Um. So Good editors know. note, spawn in the, ba- the blackness of outer space. It is drifted to Earth to affect mankind in strange and mysterious ways. And Victor Webster <laughs> is the next human to feel the eerie powers of the, the Green Glob. Um, so he is starting to drink the vial of liquid, and the Green Glob has encased itself around his hand, I guess, to prevent him from drinking it. He feels the force trying to prevent him. But he goes ahead and drinks it anyway. Yeah. Um, editor's note, even the green glob has been powerless to stop this accursed step. You know, I am the same way with Dunkin' Donuts coffee. What, that you feel an invisible force trying sometimes, to prevent you? you? Know, I, like, I'll, sometimes I'll go to the drive-thru and I'll, and I'll just ask, you know, for medium coffee with cream. Mm-hmm. But once in a while I'll say cream and sugar. And I, I know I shouldn't be doing that, you know. I know I shouldn't be doing that, but that's the same way. I've just hold it in my hand and my hand trembles and I've got to have it. i got to have it. Um, the sugar you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Okay. I love it. That might, you might want to look into that. Uh, uh Yes. <laughs> Since my uh, 40s came about, uh, I I consciously taken less sugar than I mm-hmm. than I used to when I was younger because uh, everybody in my family's had to deal with diabetes and some well, late diabetes. Right, 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 right. So, yeah. gee, I can't wait to be in my 40s. What's it like? <laughs> it um, hurts. Trust me. So Victor Webster doesn't feel any different. He's drunk this uh, vial of liquid, which has been buried in the earth for thousands of years i think i would have some sort of problems with my intestines if i drank some yeah food. um don't you i think i probably just wouldn't drink it oh yeah and you know what? he drinks it all the selfish bastard yeah yeah so as he nervously stepped forward past the lab table the burner flame some protective shield is preventing it from touching me. yes i don't even feel its heat the potion has worked i'm immortal immortal 
Well, you could just be invulnerable. Let's not really? jump to conclusions. Well, do you think he's like yelling that in his head like that? Like, immortal, all in bold with like that? Yes. Yeah. Um, I got to get away. I got to get away. <laughs> Take this thing out. So he immediately packs a suitcase. Now he doesn't look rich based on this room he's By his settings. That, that, you know, that could be his lab room, uh, his laboratory uh, room. I'm not making sense. I'm sorry. Um, maybe he has a cot and a dresser in his laboratory. Maybe. He's got one of those old-timey pasteboard suitcases. Yeah. And um, I love his lamp. That lamp is a uh, mm-hmm. beautiful little mid-century floor, floor lamp. Did you have one of those? Um, n- not that really looked mid-century. I mean, I had one that had, like, just, you know, modern-y things that you could point and direct. But yeah, yeah, it wasn't cool. No. So shortly as he went outside to hail a cab, uh, he tragedy strikes. Yeah, he walks by a construction site, mm-hmm. and the bill, the construction building is the steel girders and everything are just yeah. collapsing. Collapse. Yeah, um, this shouldn't be happening. But he realizes that he is again. I I'm not sure that he is immortal. I certainly he's invulnerable. Invulnerable. Yeah. But I don't know that that translates with a direct correlation to immortality um i guess you'll just have to live long enough to find out right he races uh there's a construction worker that's trapped under rubble his name's jason yeah (laughs) for anyone that was asking it's in the upper right hand uh, panel oh everyone's clear but jason everyone's clear but jason (laughs) um he's pinned by a chunk of cement flooring so uh victor webster races in uh, the steel girders and cement coming from above just bounce off him. He grabs Jason and shields Jason with his own body yeah. so that they can escape from so the Jason collapsing. sort of crouches down and walks, and he makes himself into a human shield. Yeah. Uh, Jason saved. And the building, collapsed. Web- building collapses, and Victor Webster notices this strange figure in the crowd. Well, how can you not notice that strange figure? He's wearing a summer death outfit. Summer death outfit and a black fedora. And he also has a skull face. Yeah. That's hard to miss. Yeah. Did you ever see that movie? It's a short little movie. They used to show it in Skewel, where it's uh, like someone starts investigating accident scenes, and he realizes that the crowd that gathers after every accident is all the same crowd. Like it's literally the same people are just gathering. I think it's a twilight zone episode. Maybe. Wow. And so what are they doing? Well, I don't remember the ending, but it's like just maybe they're like ghosts or something that they just show up. Wow. Yeah. Heavy. Probably had something to do with the green glob. Um, so he notices the figure in the crowd and then stops thinking about it. <clears throat> then he gets on a plane. Did he ever say where he's going? Is he just getting away? He's just getting away to think, think it, about think about it. If he should reveal to the world that he is immortal. <laughs> Why would you? Okay. Hey everybody, I'm immortal. No, you're not. You're just invulnerable. Yeah. <laughs> um the captain comes out and says the plane is crashing. So please remain calm. <laughs> <laughs> our main fuel line is ruptured. Two of our engines are out. We're going to make a crash landing. Please fasten your seatbelts and remain calm. Calm, he says. That's easy for me, but what about these other passengers? 
down the jet plummets. The crippled jet. As it makes a jolting landing, it uh, crashes onto the belly of the plane and catches fire. Mm. Everybody seems to escape but one. Yeah, everyone is fine. They get out of the plane, except one guy is trapped inside. Help! Help! Now, believe it or not, this is the first time I had trouble believing that Victor Webster rushes back into the plane with a blanket that he just soaked with water. Where'd the water come from? I don't know. If they have water, why don't they start putting out the fire on the plane? Doesn't make sense, does it? No. Anyway, he rescues the guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and notices that the figure in the black cloak is back. What? Mm-hmm. Um, he wants to find out who he is, but as soon as he goes to, yeah. to follow him, he's surrounded by the people from the plane, the other survivors. Right. Um, and the guy disappears. Soon after, he leaves by car. This guy cannot get away from people in peril. No. Um, He's being driven to a cabin, so I guess he is going to just retreat to mm-hmm. a cabin for some peace and quiet and think about if immortality. Found out that you might be immortal, uh huh. You drink a potion. Would you go to a cabin to retreat and think it over? Um, what would you do? I would never know, drink the, the potion of immortality. No. I don't want to live forever. No. Um. Yeah, I don't. No, I would probably try to ingratiate myself into the halls of power so that I could be a, uh, not like a leader of a country, but uh, just like, you know, behind the scenes um, for the rest of history. Mm. Just influence things, mm. you know. Sort of a... Steve Jobs. No, he's dead. <laughs> Stephen Miller, is that who you're thinking of? No, I was thinking of um, Bill Gates. Well, he's not political, really. He just has a lot of money. Hmm. You don't think he's an influencer? Mm. The foundation does a lot of work to to solve problems. No, I'm not talking about solving problems. I'm talking about just influencing government. Hmm. But as you know, government doesn't solve any problems. <laughs> Uh, he's driving by a waterfall that the road is perilously close, close to the waterfall. To this giant waterfall. Yeah. And again, he sees a man being swept away toward the falls yeah. and he yells, help, help <laughs> floundering as he's about to go over the edge of the falls. So if as it, one would in water, they would yeah. flounder. Victor Weber Webster dives in, swims to the guy grabs him just as they're going over the falls, Mm -hmm. positions himself so that he's underneath the guy. Because they're going to crash on. Onto onto rocks. rocks. And they bounce right off. Right. Um, Just as I thought, Victor Webster thinks, my protective glow has kept us from hitting the rock. We're bouncing off, and here comes the guy in the green cape. And he says, he says that you know, the, the man sank down half conscious when we reached the shore, and I was just catching my breath when he suddenly appeared. He. And he. Boy, you again. Hey, what gives? Who are you anyway? Why are you following me? You've treated me long enough, Webster. I cannot destroy you. You are immortal. But there are other ways to deal with you. As he moved towards me, a chill ran through my body. I began to shake all over. 
So uh, he kind of realizes that, yeah. He this says, this death. guy is almost as if he were death itself. It is death. Yeah. Um, who has a flaming electrical whip. Kind of like the lasso, the magic lasso. Magic lasso, except it's red. Yes. And uh, he lassos Victor Webster's wrist. Uh, and now Victor Webster is a prisoner of death. Come as with me, threatened in the title. In a world of death. death. <laughs> um, so the problem is, this is the curse, as we're about to find out. Yep. Death drags Victor Webster back into the city. Yes. And people just start dropping to the ground. Yeah. Comatose states. Horrible. Um, Death is exulting now that he's uh, seeing people dropping to their near death. Yeah, he said, that's it. That's the curse. Um, I may be able to live forever, but I... Death has to be with me at all times. Right. So, and so that where no matter where I go, death is going to happen all around me. Right. So the people that were in danger that he rescued, he actually caused the accidents that were going to lead to their death. But then he rescued them, which made the figure of death angry. So I guess if you're going to be immortal, you're going to death will continue to be your constant companion, but it will take its toll on those around you. Right. Yeah. Very astute. Um, oh, it doesn't take that wasn't an SAT level kind of question. Well, it didn't. I didn't think of it in those terms. So yeah, okay. you're a step ahead of me. Yeah. Um. So Victor then um wishes. I wish. I, I could, wish I could be mortal again. <laughs> I wish I could change it all, become mortal again, and with that, the figure of death disappears along with his whip. Editor's note, upon Webster's wish, the green glob reacts as only the mysterious mass can. And belches forth from his body. (laughs) So, uh, I don't know how... Oh, by the way, everyone recovers. Right, everyone's fine now. Um, Victor doesn't know how it happened, but it's sure nice being normal again like everyone else. From now on, death will have to wait his turn to claim a victim. And then he gets hit by a car. And so... <laughs> that would be so great if he got hit by a bus right there. <laughs> Once again, the green glob has touched upon the life of a man. When and where will it appear again to affect others in strange and mysterious ways? Well, uh, the next issue of Tales of the Unexpected, I should presume. Perhaps. Um, I didn't uh, really know anything about the green glob. Oh, of it, course I didn't. I had heard of it. Okay. And seen on the cover, you know, another Green Glob adventure. Uh-huh. But I didn't really know what it, what it consisted of. Okay. And I I know I read that Angel and Ape miniseries, but I did not recall... Angel and the, Ape? Angel and the Ape. Okay, okay. I did not recall that... Um, Green Glob appeared in it. Oh, you've read Inferior 5, though. Yes, I have. Yeah. Uh, Dumb Bunny from the Inferior Five is in that Angel and the Ape miniseries. She's oh. Angel's stepsister. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, well, yeah. That's all I had this week. Well, I thought these were interesting comics. I'm, I'm glad to get to read them with you. 
I really like the concept of the war that time forgot. Me too. I'd like to see a um, a modern comic. Well, no, because the modern comics can be so difficult to follow. Uh, there was a War of the Time Forgot miniseries not too long ago. Okay. Um, of course, who doesn't love dinosaurs? Every boy loves dinosaurs. I bet girls don't really care for as much as dinosaurs as boys do. Um, I wouldn't say that. Well, uh, to, be, to be clear, because I, I know that... Um, a lot of girls are really interested in, in dinosaurs, and that often um, stirs uh, an interest in, in medicine and such like that, you know, science. Um, I guess what I'm saying is maybe boys think about dinosaurs differently, sort of like in that sort of raw savagery kind of way. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> I shouldn't take my own inter- experience and impose it upon other, you know, make broad generalizations that are accurate. Well, that's what all great uh, podcasters do. Just <laughs> throw bullshit onto the airwaves and be done with it. You can find us on social media at GoGoJackPod. You can rate review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your free download of podcasts from. Um, you can even interact with us on social media. It's true. Twitter or Facebook, I'll answer anything. Mm-hmm. Um, we have an Instagram, but I forget to put things on it. I don't really understand how it works. It's just like pictures. Well, it's so many things to press, and every time I press something that I think is going to do something, it does something not that. Right. And then I get lost, and I'm confused. And then I would just lose interest. Yeah. Um, So uh, anything to add? Why do you ask me that every week? I don't know. Maybe something pops into your head, like, oh, hey, yeah, I forgot that I was going to tell you how television works. (laughs) Nothing to add. Thank you for asking. Though. You're very welcome. Well, that we've come to the end of our show. For we today. have indeed. It's a beautiful day outside today. It I is. Hope we it should is for go you, outdoors if it wasn't so dangerous. We might get punched or drown <laughs> or attacked by a dinosaur. Um, we'll be back next week. We will indeed. Take care. Bye. Bye. Welcome to the world of love.